0: Hello, agents, and welcome to podcast 13.
1: Perfect. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, agents, we are so lucky to be joined by one half of the writing team of Ben Robb and Derek A. Hughes. And I'm going to jump right in with my first question, which is Rob or Rab? Rab. It's Rab. Rab. Thank you.
0: I know most people. Most people think it's Rob, and and you know I usually let it slide. But if you're asking,
2: I'm yeah. definitely asking because I just had to guess based on reading. <laughs> I'm guilty. I had a friend named Lauren Rob in and spelled the same way, and so I was like, oh, I know this name wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and some some people do pronounce it that way. I mean, it's I don't know why we pronounce it that way. Maybe it's because we're from the East Coast. I don't know.
1: But... <laughs> um, okay. So, we are here today to discuss episode 202, which is mild-mannered, and let's jump in. Cool. So, our next question is, we've talked about writing teams on the show, as you know. So, yep. can you tell us a little bit about how you became a writing team with Derek?
0: Sure. Uh, we actually met in the comic book store. Um, we call that our geek cute. Uh, <laughs> and uh i mean this is this is going on like about 18 years ago at this point this is a long time ago and uh i at that time i was writing comics freelance that was my profession and you know every wednesday i'd go in and buy my books and i kind of kept a low profile because you know the fans usually when you engage with them they have opinions and they're not always very positive so it's like i didn't want to get berated for what they hated about what i wrote (laughs) whatever it was um and I, you know, so I'm standing online, ready to buy my books, and there's this guy standing at the counter and he's complaining, bitching and moaning about this book that's being six months late. It's this book, Planetary, which, you know, is a great comic. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but um, he, uh, you know, these lazy artists, they don't turn in their pages, they're not getting their work done, they're just playing video games all day. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm listening. And I'm like, man, I, 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 I don't want to engage, but I got to say something. And, uh, I said to him, Hey, I know for a fact that the guy that you're complaining about hasn't received the script in six months. And that's why you're, your book's late, fanboy. And he's like, Well, how do you know? I'm like, Because he was one of the groomsmen at my wedding. You're <laughs> insulting. So I had to sort of, you know, had to defend my friend. And, and and you know, then we got to talking. And then and Derek told, told me uh, at the time, you know, I was trying to break into Hollywood. Uh, you know, I'd only been living in, out, out here for about a year or so. And uh, he was a writer's assistant on a show called Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. And, uh, you know, we just started hanging out, talking, discovered our birthdays were three days apart. Um, and uh, his boss, Robert Wolf, was going to invite us to come in to, to, to pitch episodes on the show. Robert came from the Star Trek camp and having freelancers do episodes was sort of common practice there. And he carried that over with, with Andromeda. The day we were supposed to get come in, we had all these great ideas. Robert got fired. So we never got our chance to pitch. Um, but... It, it sort of became the all right. Well, if we're going to be serious about working together, we should start writing specs. And we started writing specs and submitting to the writing programs and getting rejected for years. And then eventually, you know, eight years into it at this point, you know, uh, we'd worked in new media, we'd worked on a web series, we'd you know, create our own comic, which actually you see in the background of the episode, there's some of uh, our posters and signage that in the comic book store in the Harry Tarantula and then also in uh, Sheldon's apartment. Um, and uh, so anyway, so yeah, so we were like, "It's eight years of rejection and I'm like, Hey, I don't, I don't have a plan B if this doesn't pan out. My <laughs> is very patient. You know, she was like, look, take five years, see if you can make it. I was on year eight. <laughs> oh, man. Still hadn't made it. And, uh, and uh, we, you know, I said, look, if we don't get into the writers' programs this year, i, I, I got to figure something else out. Look, As luck would have it, we got into the NBC writers' program, Writers on the Verge, and five weeks into that, we got staffed on Warehouse. And, and the funny thing was that Derek, Derek had... I mean, Derek keeps an eye on everything. He's sort of our, our man in the field um, who's always got his ear to the ground. And when Warehouse was being developed... He'd heard about it and wanted to told our agents at the time, like, hey, we really want to get in on that if there's an opportunity. Keep an eye on it. Year went by and finally got greenlit uh, and he said, hey, we want to get in on it. Again, no meetings, no meetings. Five weeks into the program through our NBC contacts, uh, we had an executives woman, uh, Nora O'Brien, who was sort of our mentor. She put us up for that and that got us the meetings we needed to have. Um, and our agents had never submitted us. So, you know, if not for the kindness of Nora, we wouldn't have, you know, gotten in the hands of all the sci-fi executives and then to Jack and and David Simpkins and never would have happened.
1: That's amazing. So
0: it's a very long way of answering your question, but that's the story.
1: That was excellent. And I really love hearing that story and I totally get it as someone who's been out here for a while, working the same thing. Um, so Just so
0: just don't you don't give up. You just you keep trying. Yeah, keep going you can't
1: anyway. you can't give up because if there's another option you'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um so getting a little more episode specific. Yes. This is the first episode of Twizzler product placement. Yeah. Which is something yeah. that Warehouse thirteen fans today even recognize. Yeah. And that was mm-hmm. sort of a big thing. There was a similar situation going on at roughly the same time with Chuck and Subway that helped sure. it get renewed. So I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about how that worked and how you wound up fitting that into the show and what that process was like, just for our listeners who are interested in media studies.
0: Well, I mean, there's, there's a few different ways those things work. There's the active um, inclusion, and then there's the passive inclusion. What you saw in this episode was the active inclusion. <laughs> um, Maybe not so, you know, gracefully done, but done. Um, the uh, or integration—that's what it's passive integration. Um, what we had to do, obviously, was demonstrate our character using the product, you know, or at least <laughs> promoting the product that that meant something to her, and uh, you know, there was relevance there in the moment. that was the only one we come up with, but but twi- its funny because Twizzlers was, I think, only our promotional. Sponsored that year. After that, Toyota became the promotional sponsor, and they had a. We had a lot more involvement with them because it was use, you know, use the Prius, use the the nav system, use whatever, you know, all this stuff that again, you know, these active integrations that you got a certain dollar amount for every time you use it, and there was a minimum requirement of how many times you had to use it. So this episode was one of those and you know passive integrations got you less money than active integrations did so
1: so what in terms of the process of you writing the script did you write the script and put that in there the first time or did you write it and be like where can we put this
0: uh I don't I don't remember exactly on this one how that happened but I do know that at some point it was oh we need to integrate in this
2: episode
0: (laughs) so figure out where you're gonna put it and in in that moment seemed like Again, the most quote-unquote organic moment to do it. Uh, again, maybe not a little inelegant, but done. And <laughs> and, and I'll never forget that uh, Derek and I were up there for the shooting of that episode, and there was a, uh, a sci-fi exec from New York, from the New York office, you know, the official sci-fi office, uh, was, was coming in to make sure that it was done properly.
1: Oh, my God. So, there's,
0: there's a lot riding on that. When the, when the money's involved... <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, that, that integration, you know, what did it buy us? Did it buy us the needle drop? Did it buy us, um, you know, some special effects? Like, it, it offsets costs that we normally couldn't stomach. So, you you know, you hold your nose and, and you type it out and you go, well, let's hope that flies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't find it very inelegant if it makes you feel better. like we, just, We discussed right. it as something fun that, like, ten years, you know, later... Like when we launched this podcast, Jillian bought me a big bag of Twizzlers. Like we were, we were remembering as like a kind of, it it was a it was just a an element of the show. And obviously, I think the Sci-Fi Channel. I remember the cars more because Defiance had the the car, and then yeah, later you guys had the Toyota. But like was everyone like, has
1: cars. Like every show, it's just so specific. Like a candy that <laughs> makes sense. It's just so funny. <laughs> And I and ended you, didn't up...
0: her, you didn't buy her a car? This <laughs> is not a car? All right. I
2: ended up buying a Toyota, and I named huh? my Toyota Claudia. <laughs> and it was my big joke that, like, the product placement worked because I was obsessed with Warehouse in college. And then I bought my first car, and it was a Toyota. That's great. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. But, no, I mean, uh, you know, jo- Joanne was not very, if I recall correctly, not too keen on having to do it. And, and you know, she... <laughs> She, she was a trooper and she did it and really appreciated that because we know it's like it's one of those things. You know, as an actor, you go, is this really what my character is? Is that who they are? You know, is this a defining element that really we're going to tell a story around? No, we're not. But <laughs> please just do it. we need the
2: <laughs> Well, we appreciated that it wasn't just Eddie because Eddie is always or Pete is always eating food. So yes. it it seemed better that it wasn't just Pete, another Pete food thing, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like, like especially that scene where you know, he comes out with the pies, it's like, of course, Pete's the one walking out of, you know, with the pie, <laughs> slices of pie in his hands. Like, <laughs> that, we couldn't have done that if Pete was the guy with the Twizzlers, right? So yeah. it, just, it just made sense.
2: Excellent. Um, so, this, another uh, episode specific question. Um, thinking about this Iron Shadow episode, did you guys pitch this based on your background in comics? Or did someone suggest you do a comic episode, kind of knowing that you could? How did that come about?
0: Well, it's funny because, you know, as every, again, uh, that was our first hiatus was after season one into season two. What, what became sort of a habit of mine was every season was to sort of do, well, while we were on hiatus, I would make a list of, here's cool artifact possibilities, here's some cool history stuff that might be fun to explore um that's one of the things i loved about the show because it was a chance to sort of just nerd out on so many different levels um and uh when it came to this one again it's the second episode so we were you know really early in the season talking about this and i was i I don't remember if we were the ones that pitched it i forget how it came about but as the discussion around it was coming up and we might we may have pitched like a, a comic book related artifact and it may have actually been like Jack, a Jack Kirby thing. It might have been the belt. It might have been something like that that we're like, oh, we'd love to do an homage to one of our idols as comic book people. Um, and, uh, and then the, the, the conversation kept growing and, and Jack seemed into the idea of doing a superhero episode. And I was just like, oh man, I hope we had a couple of up, new upper levels in season two, and I'm like, oh man! I know one of them likes comics. I hope he doesn't steal this idea from us. <laughs> and lo and behold, we got to do it. I was like, holy crap! You know, we were, I mean, at that point we're story editors, so we're you know staff writer, story editor, and, you know, second rung of the ladder, and we're getting to write the second episode, and that was really, that was you know, kind of an honor, um, at least I thought it was. I mean, I don't know if it really was, but it was cool, <laughs> um, and that it was something that we really loved. So, so we got very excited about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we. Uh, I mean, like, we—it's—it's it's inevitable to bring our comic book background to that show. You know, we are genre people. We are, you know, we, we sci-fi, fantasy, horror, like all that comic books. That's just in our DNA. Me and Derek, and uh, and we, when we got the chance to do it, we just we sprayed nerd all over that episode. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's so there's so many references in there.
1: Yeah, we caught them and we really enjoyed them. It was really clear that you were coming at it from a place of deep knowledge rather than let's make fun of this subculture which is refreshing you don't always see that on tv i
0: know and 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 we'd seen enough instances of that that we were like okay we need we need to stand on our own we need to sort of represent for you know our, our community our culture and you know the fact that that you know pete sort of that was sort of his world too we you know look we loved working with eddie right season season one he, you know when we went up for duped, we were that was, you know, first episode of television that we ever wrote, and you know Eddie was just so cool on set, really great to work with. Um, you know that was us in the elevator in that one shot. I don't know if you remember where Pete gets in the elevator and there's these two dudes standing in the background, but that was us. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he's also a comic book fan, and he's a huge fan of the Hulk. He loves the artist Herb Trimpe. Um so there's if you remember there's the one reference where, you know, the uh you know, who'd win in a fight, the Iron Shadow or the Hulk. And I mean that was that was for Eddie. That was, you know, yes. for him his love of that character. And again, also what nerds talk about. Um <laughs> but uh I don't know, i lost my train of thought, but anyway.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. We're here okay. to bring you back.
0: All right. Um
1: so the follow up question would be do you have any particular standout moments of this episode that you remember creating or producing or that you just loved watching anything?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember a lot. Um, <laughs> there's, it's a very brief moment. It's one that, that makes Derek and me and I laugh every time we see it. Uh, when, Iron Shadow standing up on the roof of the building and the power waves are emanating off of him and Pete and Micah get thrown back against the wall and Joanne gets hit in the face with that piece of paper.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> to this day, makes us crack up. I mean, it just <laughs> it wasn't planned. It was like just a happy <laughs> accident. I got caught on camera and we're like, that's got to get in the cut. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, having, you know, Pete and Micah save the day together. You know, she's the one who dons a suit and gets to sort of play the hero, but Pete ultimately has to sort of chip in to help. And the fact that the way that he stops the artifact is by pantsing a guy. <laughs> that, I mean, again, something I'm like, are we really getting to do this? Are you really letting us do this on television? Okay, great. Um <laughs> You know, it just it just felt like the most organic way to do it. And You know, having it be the callback to Ralph Brunsky and who was, you know, uh, at that point, staff writer Ian Stokes is, you know, arch nemesis from growing up, I believe. Um, There's a Ralph Brunsky out in the world who, you know, deserves to be pants, apparently. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, that that stands out again, being on set, being in the comic shop, being in the background. um, There's one point where you see there's two idiots turn around when I forget who says something. We're those two idiots. Um, you know, we got to, <laughs> it started on duped and, and it kind of happened with every episode that the, the crew kind of knew that when, when we came up, they would try to find cameo opportunities for us.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Again, shouldn't be doing it, but they were really cool about letting it go. And Jack was fine with it. I think, I hope, you know, if, you know, he never said he was mad.
1: When we did our first, um, writer appreciation spotlight on Jack Kenny, we found that he cameoed in a bunch of his own stuff. So, <laughs> I'm sure he's like, I get it, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, but he understands. Um, so that was fun to be able to do that. Again, having having our the comic we created sort of be part of the signage and, and set deck was kind of neat. Um, Jewel State and Sean Marr, that was a real good get for us. I mean, you know, Drew Greenberg, who was uh, you know one of our uh, co-EPs in season two, um, he you know he worked on Buffy, and so. He was the one that sort of finagled that and made that happen. He reached out to them when when it was time to try and do that, uh, you know, for those casting. Um, another little fun fact is that Sheldon and Loretta are my parents, um, <laughs> and sort of an, an homage to them that they, they, they were both they're both gone and they were both gone before I ever got my job in television. So you know, we were trying to name the characters. Derek very kindly was like, "Why don't you name them after your parents?" And so, so that their little love story, you know took a little bit more resonance for me in that regard. Um, and again, just, you know, all, all the, the the comic book references and all the, uh, the historical references, like, like the, you know, the Bruce Lee punching bag, the Babe Ruth bat. Um, I forget what the other one was. But, so those yeah, were just, you?
1: Because those were yeah. lines in the script. I mean, in, like, the dialogue. They were, like, visual things. Um, oh, no, that was us. That's awesome. Because we know oh, yeah. also that the... Um, Jack told us that Hamish was the production designer and that he would add stuff like on board sometimes. So that's cool that that was you. And like, it's cool to know that that came from you.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, certain things, you know, whether if it's not spoken in dialogue, it might be uh, put in the, you know, in the in the stage directions. And so that, you know, obviously tips off the set deck as to what they're going to need to do. And, and that was something that, you know, we were like, these are these feel like artifacts that would maybe play to this, this density notion, like some, you know, objects of power. And that's kind of where that came from. So, you know, we we did a lot.
1: Oh, I (laughs) I told you I made a
0: list every summer. I made a list.
1: (laughs) Just before we move on real quick, you said that your comics were in the background of the hairy tarantula. Uh, Can we get a shout out of which ones those were?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. it was, um, so if you see, there's a, like, there's like a purple background and a guy sort of like grim looking guy standing there. That's issue four. And then issue one is sort of the orange background. And then when you're in Sheldon's apartment, there's a, it's a poster that says, you know, there goes the neighborhood. Um, the comic was called Living in Infamy. It was a four-issue miniseries that, that Derek and I wrote that we self-published with friends uh, back in like 2005, 2006. Um, it's about a witness protection town for reformed supervillains. But at, at the core, it's a, it's a suburban family drama. It's about a guy who fell in love with the boss's girl. He was sort of like, you know the, the the evil Tony Stark to to a, a world-beating Doctor Doom type. He was his science guy. That you know his boss had this woman that you know was sort of his betrothed, and our our main character fell in love with her, got they got pregnant, and so to protect the life of his the love of his life and their unborn child, he turned states evidence against his boss. Fifteen years have gone by. They've been living in in his protection you know, the suburban ennui is sort of set in, the marriage is fizzled, and the bad guy has found them. He's coming back for revenge. So.
1: That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to add that to yeah. my reading
0: list. Yeah, yeah. So so that's so that's what's in the background, those, those two images from, from the book. Awesome. Yeah.
2: Excellent. And that brings me to my next question because I am very casually versed in comics but not a big uh, knowledge person on them. So you've mentioned a couple of, like, even on Twitter, that the like, suit was a specific reference to a specific franchise. Like, for people who may be less familiar with your subtle references, would you think of a few that you could uh, clarify or shout out for us?
0: Well, OK, so the, those cover images I sent uh, are the style of it was very like, late 60s, early 70s Marvel style. So very middle of the Silver Age, um, which was an intentional nod to that. Um, I'm trying to think, where are the other references? I mean, like I said, there there are a lot. I mean, like so many dialogue references. You know, Mike is, you know, well, with great power comes great responsibility. Is that a thing? Uh, that was intentional. Um, when you know, when Pete's uh, putting on the when he strips down to put on the suit. Uh, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna be all bit Bam Pow. Well, that's from the old Batman TV show, the sound effects. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, just the moment when, after they've, they've pantsed uh, Sheldon and, and stopped the, you know, the artifact, you know, when, when Mike is sort of all loopy and, and Pete says we're my hero was our way of sort of, you know, flipping the script on the old, the classic trope of what, what the damsel in distress says to the hero. This time, Pete's the one saying it to her. You know, we thought that would be kind of fun. Um, What else? Uh, I'm sure there's more.
2: I think you said the Gak suit was a reference to like a type of suit that can fit the shape of.
0: Yes, yeah. So the idea was, so the Fantastic Four, their costumes, are made of what are called unstable molecules, which is why when Reed Richards stretches, it doesn't rip, which is why when the Human Torch, you know, flames on, he can go back to normal and he's just not naked.
2: <laughs>
0: so, so that, that was sort of in, in our minds, even though it was never verbally stated in, in script, um, it was always the intent that, that that was, if Pete had put it on, it would have fit him. The boots. Uh, we, I not sure why, why wardrobe decided to, to do seven inch, you know, kiss heels uh,
2: <laughs>
0: it was an odd choice just because a woman was going to be putting on the suit didn't mean she i mean we i think envisioned something more combat bootish for soldiers glam <laughs> rock stars but that's what they did and there was no time to change it um so that's <laughs> what we were stuck with uh but yeah so the, the suit would was in our minds was made of unstable molecules so if he put it on it would have conformed to his shape and mike put it on and conformed to hers
2: Nice. Awesome. Yeah, our listeners got that reference, but me being like a reader of nineteenth century novels, I was like uh Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. yeah, so yeah. that's that's not common probably back then. <laughs>
1: um as you mentioned before with Ralph Grunsky, that was a thing that was a continuation of something from a previous episode. We also yeah. noticed that for the second time in the series, and the first time was also in an episode you wrote, like Volt appears
0: you know, that was an improv. Those, those, those have been improvs. I
1: that's would love amazing. to take credit
0: for that, but that's, that's, that's Eddie and his, his comedic genius.
1: So he yeah. improvs Yiddish? I love knowing that. I thought for sure one of you was going to be like, going to sneak in the Yiddish. That's
0: amazing. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure my family would appreciate that, but, uh, <laughs> but no, that was, I mean, again, so, I mean, you, you don't get more Menchie than Saul. So like, eddie's spending so much time around him that's he true. just picked up a lot of his mannerisms and stuff and, and would just sort of throw it in i mean yeah the other one it's you know it's what's it's, it's better it's the dark vault's better than the egg vault and,
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's
0: great I mean, <laughs> but no Your memory was, yeah, improv. Of this is great well i I'll, look i'll be honest you listening to you guys in the podcast sort of has brought back a lot <laughs> like and and fair you know full disclosure i did rewatch. Mild manner, just to sort of be like, oh my god, I remember all this. <laughs> <laughs> just to sort of like, you know, s- stir up the what? Do, what do I remember from behind the scenes? Like I remember, like I said, being on set. What were the things that happened? Trying to remember, like, okay, while we were there, what you know, what went down? What didn't go right? I, I mean, there was the the Act Five uh, action sequence. The 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 pantsing thing was supposed to be different. It was supposed to. Micah was supposed to get wire pulled back and. Uh, you know, so, you know, there was going to, I was coming off him was going to throw her back and she was, they were going to have to do this whole rigging and everything. And they're like, I mean, we, they're like, we can't. We don't have, we don't have the hour, the time left in the day to shoot it. Can we, can we do something less? And we're like, fine. So that's why it was, it was her, you know, sort of trudging forward, fighting the waves of, of, of energy coming off of Sheldon. Um, so that was, you know, again, in the script, it was one thing. In the show, it was something else. Production constraints, it happens. You have to make those calls on the day. And that was one where we had to say, all right, it's going to save us time and money. Fine, we'll, we'll find a different way to do it.
1: It worked well. It felt just as real.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I again, if you didn't know it, you wouldn't miss it. <laughs> <you know.
1: laughs> I did have one question before we <laughs> rounded things out, which was yeah. Iron Shadow specifically, what inspired that like what came together was it mandated like in the room or were you bringing different superheroes together specifically
0: i mean what was here's what was tricky is that like at this okay so this is what 2010 right so we, we probably started breaking the story in 2009 i think correct right, because we were a summer show at that point so and the room would have started in november so okay so we would have 2008 2009 around there you know superheroes on tv were not this was before the Arrowverse happened uh they were always presented in a certain way i mean heroes existed but heroes made a very strong point of not putting people in costumes it was like they were you know ashamed of you know audiences won't tune in for this stuff and then you know the marvel cinematic universe happened and (laughs) that changed everything um but uh we we really wanted to sort of if we're going to do it, do it right. Right. Do the homage. Um, Another show, I think maybe Smallville had had, some show had had a comic book convention episode where there was a superhero and it just, it just didn't work. It just, it just felt like spray on the superhero, which for us, it's inauthentic. So when we were trying to come up with the iron shadow, the goal was to, to make him credible, to give him some gravitas. I I don't know how much we pulled it off. You know, like I would have, preferred darker colors the purple was a little little kitschy for me even though i've written the phantom which is a character that's a purple clad guy with the trunks on the outside (laughs) so i you know so i'm like all right i I guess i can deal with it but we added a little bit of like uh, detailing was you know like the the circles on the side were an attempt to do sort of kirby design jack kirby design um and the mask we wanted uh, we described him as the ultimate urban samurai the idea was that it was sort of uh, a metallic kabuki mask kind of thing. So, we we're trying to draw influence from a lot of different things. Um again, he's not a guy with powers, so he is very much in the in the Batman mold, a little bit more like Daredevil in our minds except without the super ability to, you know, with the radar sense. Um but we just wanted him to be you know, just fun, right? That was the, the ultimate goal was to make it fun and and I think at the end of the day, again, having just rewatched it, I'm like, you know, maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but I'm like, oh yeah, you know, for all the VFX shortcomings of two thousand ten and and you know, some of the narrative things that maybe we could have done a little differently, that as a writer now I might do differently. I, I still feel like that episode came together exactly as we wanted it to. And and that is a pretty good reward, I think.
1: That's awesome. And I'm glad that you're a writer who can appreciate their own work. I've known a lot of people who like won't look at their early stuff and I'm like, why? It made you who you are. And I think that's so great. Like that you can still yeah, appreciate it and see how great it is.
0: Yeah, Thank you. That's nice of you. <laughs> I don't know if I would say those words, but I, <laughs> I can, I can appreciate what it was as a step along the way in my journey. And it's one that I can look back fondly because that show experience was a positive experience. And I really enjoyed that season working on that episode and you know, and subsequent episodes and future seasons, like it just it it never stopped being a fun job, and yeah. uh, and I think I mean that's that's the quality of the show. And I think you know the fact that you guys are so invested in in trying to keep the legacy of of Warehouse 13 alive, I think, is a testament to, you know, maybe we did something right. You know, there was a weird alchemy that came out of that show for five seasons, and and you know, it's nice to know that it still resonates with people.
2: It does. And our, yeah, our listeners still feel very strongly about it. And they were looking forward to Mild Mannered for like the past three months. They've been like waiting for season two. So it resonates with them. Um, Our next question is, you know, very open-ended. Do you have any current projects you're working on that you would like us to plug?
0: Well, we're in in the middle of breaking the final season of Arrow, season eight. Um, you know, it's only a 10 episode season and, uh, you know, when we go back into the room tomorrow, we will continue talking about our, our series finale, which is, you know, I'm, I haven't been there as long as some of the other writers have been. I've, this is only my second season there. Um, but it's been a great experience and, and, you know, it, again, comic book show. I love it. You know, <laughs> like what's, what's not to love about it? Um, beyond that, Derek and I are currently developing a couple things, um, one is based on, uh, uh, it's a book called Clockwork Lives, which is a, apropos, is a steampunk uh, sci-fi fantasy thing um, written by Kevin J. Anderson and uh, Neil Peart, the drummer from the band Rush. Um, huh. I'm, I'm a lifelong Rush fan. Um, and when uh, the chance to sort of, you know, option the, the shopping rights to that book came, came about, I, I jumped on it and we're you know currently trying to get that going in in television um and then we have derek and i have another project we're developing with um uh with greg berlanti uh which not gonna say what it is yet because it's not you know there's nothing officially going it's just it's in we're in process trying to get it out there and and make it happen and you know fingers crossed it will great
2: yeah
1: that's awesome and also thank you to you and derek for being such an great online presence during everything that was happening with the wga lately
0: well derek derek's a board member he he, he, he you know he, that's amazing he's legit I'm, <laughs> I'm just a barnacle
1: it's just nice <laughs> to see writers like you with a lot of credits under your belt reaching down and using the opportunity to lift up lower writers who are affected by it too so thank you from lower oh, writers. All right, sure.
0: <laughs> they're, they're, they are i gotta tell you some of them are like I mean, I'll be working for them at some point. I'm fairly certain. <laughs> I've really, read, read some excellent scripts and I've read some scripts that, you know, didn't quite get the shout out that, that they were maybe looking for, but I was willing to give them feedback and the feedback that, that they've responded to uh, has been really great. And, and these just these, everyone's so hardworking and, and they're, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be on that other side of the door and feeling like, hey, I can hear the party on the other side of that door maybe there's a way to in that, you know, I'm just not seeing. So, you know, if I can help, I will. Awesome.
1: So that's all we had.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Oh, no, my pleasure. And thanks for having me and thanks for doing what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. And I, you know, you've reinvigorated my enthusiasm in my own, you know, early days of work (laughs) and, and, and and just reminding me of how special the show was and, You know, maybe someday someone will decide to do it again. You know, it's a show that could go on forever. It could, it should have gone from way longer. And, uh, you know, you hear what I'm saying, sci fi? Let's get on it.